Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. And that is our mission here today. And as always, to transfer knowledge from whether it's me or a guest who happens to show up on the podcast and to pass that knowledge over to you, to teach you something new, something a little bit interesting, maybe something even different that you can do with the scanner radio hobby so that you can try something a little bit new or maybe pique an interest that you didn't know that you yet had with the hobby. And on this week's podcast, we are talking to Radio McRadio Face. Yes, you've heard that one absolutely correctly. Radio McRadio Face prefers to keep things a little bit anonymous. Now, Mr. McRadio Face is here to talk about searching, seeking, and finding anomalies while scanning. This could include pirate radio stations, unlicensed transmitters, or even using information that you have from current events to know where and what to listen to. Radio Radio Face takes hunting these random transmissions very seriously, and his setup that he tells us about proves just how serious he is about finding all of these oddball transmissions that are out there. And many of these can be found in the VHF and UHF spectrum that we typically monitor with our scanner radios. So there's a couple of great stories and a couple of great examples as to how being prepared or being fully aware of the spectrum or the RF landscape as it stands today and how it changes on a particular day or event can then bring, you know, a little bit of interest to you as to what it is that can be different, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. So if we don't know what is different today than yesterday, then we'll never know that this is something that we should be paying attention to. So the advice today is to familiarize yourself with the RF landscape that is around you, right? Based on what you then understand, that helps you find something that is different. For example, we're all familiar with our kitchens, right? We know where the coffee pot is, where the toaster is, where the utensils are stored, where the dishes, the plates, all that lives in our kitchen. But if somebody were to add something new, maybe you get a bread maker or I don't know, some weird new device that's out there in a market, an air fryer. And all of a sudden, it shows up on your countertop, right? That's new. That's different. That didn't belong there yesterday. This is like a real-world tangible example as to the RF landscape that's around you, right? Knowing where things are and where they belong and where they should be, and then something different shows up, that's where we want to draw our focus to. This is what Radio McRadio Face has extreme knowledge on, is finding these oddballs. He's going to tell us today and share with us how he finds them, how he categorizes them, and again, what he is exactly looking for. So I'm not going to spill his thunder or explain anything else for him because he does a very great job at doing that. I really did enjoy this conversation that I had. It was definitely something different that we haven't had on the podcast before. So I am very excited to introduce to you and welcome to today's session, Mr. Radio McRadioface. McRadioface, really interesting to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a wonderful opportunity to get, to get the word out there. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have people diversify and uh, get out and do different things to get the word out. Yeah, excellent. So uh, a little bit of your background before we start into the topic today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. 
um, I started doing radio when I was a kid. Um, I got a, a gift from, a, from my mom and it just kind of went downhill from there. I started modifying radios and, and use them to kind of branch out and do information security type stuff because I learned how to hack radios. I thought, heck, hey, man, how hard could it be to hack something else? And that, that knowledge transferred directly into, into uh, information security career. So I did that for a very long time. And I still do that now. And I gave a break to radios because it, the technology didn't catch up to where I, to where my brain was. And finally we had computer controlled radios. Now I could, now I could get back and invest into this thing because I had all these clunky an- boat anchors hanging around that were just gathering dust. And I would just long for the day we can control these things with a computer. And, and here we are. Right. I think uh, technology finally caught up to you. So uh, what is it that you typically monitor? Uh, I'm a, mostly uh, like an anomalous radio type of guy. I like, you know, maybe things that aren't supposed to be there. Okay. And you develop a baseline of things that are supposed to be there. And then when these little things pop up, you kind of look into them and discover and, and find there's the whole another substrata of radio out there that's just fascinating, like pirates and, and uh, outband communications, people using radio where they're not supposed to generally. And doing mm-hmm. things maybe that are, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily on the up and up or skirting uh, regulations with increased power or or using uh, transmitting on frequencies they're not supposed to. This is a fascinating thing to me. And, you know, I've, I'm one of those guys. I like to catalog that stuff just because it's there. And so I've done that ever since I started doing this. Excellent. And that's, that's speaking volumes to what I like to do also, right? Because I always like to say, like, the secrets are in the searches. It's when you you look a little bit beyond just what's publicly out there on databases and, and web forms and stuff like that, right? When you go out there and you you tune the dial yourself or you hit the search button and you look for something that's out there. And I think my first uh, example with that was, you know, here on Long Island, there's a, there's a ton of fishing boats that go out every single night from one of the, uh, the south uh, southern tiers or southern uh, boating state parks. And you can listen to them if you monitor just north of the VHF marine frequencies, so they're they're kind of like not where they're supposed to be. They're they like just they're just one tick outside of there. At least that's where they used to be. But they give all these different fishing reports to each other, and you know they were talking about the people they have on board and and you know what kind of activity they have basically uh, on their own ship for that for that night. So um, exactly right, you know, just finding out what's out there and what really shouldn't be there is is definitely. Uh, very interesting and very easy to do. And now take that what you've experienced there on a more or less regional or local kind of level and amp it up to where you've scaled it to or like a more or less a hemispheric type of a, of a scale or like a global scale. And now we're talking about HF radio where these long distance communications can come into play. And you got these propagation anomalies that kind of help you sometimes. And if you know how, how propagation works, you can kind of guess where the good hot bands are going to be, you can park for the night and record your stuff and, and play it back the next day. And um, so, I mean, it gives you plenty of opportunity to find these anomalous transmissions. They're and all over the place. Is that typically where you focus on? Do you focus on the HF bands and, and, and shortwave listening, or are you like DC to daylight kind of guy? I am a DC to daylight guy. I mean, I, I like to think that I, I run a SIGINT, you know, like a like a professional level uh, signal intelligence shop, but like a one man guy, I run it as a hobby. You know, mm-hmm. I try to simulate, I try to simulate as much as I can a professional level shop, but it just, just as a hobbyist. So, you know, I have recordings, I archive them and I try to label them and I try to stay on top of it as much as a, well, as much as like a professional organization would. So, you know, I've done this with anomalous transmissions for a very, very long time, you know, back in the day when we were, you know, first dealing with those numbers transmissions on HF. And you used, I guess, back in those days, just a Vox tape recorder just to... Yeah, that, that's all. You know, we had to go speaker into, uh, you know, microphone, just that uh, that analog gap that we had to deal with. And then later on, we were able to, you know, craft wires and hack little junctions together and record directly out of a radio. Gotcha. Now, for anybody who doesn't understand or hasn't been experienced with it, can you run by what a numbers station is? Oh, well, for example, I mean, the first number stations were done well before I was born, but I mean, for like the Spanish number stations, like where spy numbers transmissions that are done, uh, you know, the, the rumor is and well established that, you know, these transmissions are done on HF and they're sent out to spies out in the field, you know, that give them 
messages to do, do things or not do things. And these have been going on for a very long time. And they're very, very odd sounding and very cryptic and mysterious. And a lot of leverage is given to them in times of war. And people monitor them and, and listen for changes in their transmissions and different metadata. And they track them down with different applications and and try to uh, decipher the communications, which can't be done. You know, they're, they're cryptographically secure. You know, one-time pads. You know, as a kid, you learn that. I did anyway. I tried to crack them and spent years trying to crack that stuff. And later on, you know, as learning math, I realized that that stuff's a one-time pad and it's crypt- cryptographically secure. You're not going to crack it, you know, in, in any kind of any kind of meaningful way. So that's why it's done on the radio, like in that format. Exactly. But again, you know, the information is given in the clear. It's just that you have no way of decoding what it is you have no decoder ring basically to to put it back right and you need that decoder ring and then the spies in the field will have them right they better have it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so and that's cool though right because that's basically a one-way transmission and like you said it's it's whoever is using it whether it's spies or or you know special ops or something like that and it's it's interesting to think that it's a to-do or not to-do kind of thing or you know like you should be going to this location or you shouldn't be you know, terminating somebody. Right. The concept of a dead man switch. You know what I'm yes. saying? Yep. Yep. Like Excellent. a canary. Right, right, right. So what, uh, what kind of inf- like equipment are you using right now? Or have you used in order to sniff out all these uh, pirate stations or just things that you, that, that you like to listen to? It's a constant juggling of, of hardware and software and peripherals. What are the best kind of cables? You know, this cable sucks. It heats up and I, you know, you lose it, you gain impedance and you lose packets and you got to throw it out because it's got, it leaks RF and it leaks into your other radio. So basically it's, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. The kind of equipment always changing, but basically I control my, my main SDRs. Now my main radios, I control them with a windows facility, a windows, a laptop. And, um, I used to control everything with Linux, but I'm the the software was a little bit buggy and more stuff came out for Windows I was able to use and that seemed more flexible at the time. And so I I, I use uh, Windows to use for my radios. And um, I got uh, several radios from SDR Play, um, RSP1A and the RSP Duo. And my okay. scanner is a Uniden Bearcat uh, BC536HP. And I've got a couple other SDRs laying around, uh, gathering dust, a couple of a net SDR and SDR IQ. And I'll probably get some more stuff as time goes on. I've got a bunch of those little thumbsticks. Right. RTL SDR somewhere, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, so HF is not the only thing. I, go, I do go to DC to daylight. There is some satellite okay. stuff as well. And I do a lot of ADSB. For many years, I collected ADSB in my, my area. Okay. Um, and I had a, a huge database of stuff incoming and going uh, in my area, which is a uh, very interesting area to be in. I live near Washington, D.C. So, I mean, I have ADSB Ooh. straight out of the horse's mouth, I guess you'd call it. Uh, Excellent. So that's yeah. just your own receiver basically running on something like a Raspberry Pi with Pi-Aware or something like that? Or was it something it was, a I, more? I had that tailed off of one of the receivers on my RSP Duo. Oh, okay. And I had uh, I had a bunch of ADSB stuff hanging off that. And I was processing it. I was post-processing processing that with, uh, with some Linux stuff I was hanging off the back end there for... Uh, archiving and compressing and and doing little graphical things i was building a dashboard so i could pipe the output into a linux a remote linux station and have a nice little dashboard you know stand up wherever i was i could just nice tell that to the port and have the data automatically set it was just a little little thing i had going and um okay. having open source was a great you know was a great uh a great help in that you know there's some things you can control by sending commands to a port, and then you can write your own little programs like scanners and things like that, outside of the outside of the realm of having to compile things and and get involved with C plus plus and and junk like that. It was much easier to work with GQRX in Linux, for example. You can pipe commands directly to it. You can write your own kind of little batch commands and have your own hell a hellacious little time. <laughs> that's, so that's yeah, I've been doing that. You see, yep, I go got ahead. that and I got a series of antennas outside, some Black Knight antennas I, I had shipped in from the UK. Those guys are great. And I have a homebrew ADSB antenna that I, that I made that's uh, hanging outside. And I got a, my HF stuff. I got a Mac loop from uh, DX Engineering and I got a bunch of 
I got about a mile and a half of long wire out back that's all in different configurations. It looks like a cyber spider web. Wow. It, it makes my neighbors nuts because they have to go out there and look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to say, I'm sorry, man, but it's tuned. I can't, you know, I can't tell you how you many can't. times I can't move any of that stuff. Right, right. Uh, unbelievable. So I guess it, it zigzags back and forth across the yard then, right? So the spiders it's a love little, it. But... It's a little unsightly. Well, I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's one big cyber spider that loves it. <laughs> <laughs> very nice I, I always wondered like you know because i i've got a really small piece of property here and i try to make do with what i have but i get very jealous when i hear people who something like you know you you're listening to the world on hf and all i can really hear is noise so so to be able to to hear what you're picking up with just random wire and and everything else is uh very interesting. I always imagine how much easier it would be if you had a large piece of property. Right? You assume these people that have you know acres of land and they could just run a wire through the trees for thousands of feet if they wanted to. So to be able to still do it on on a, in a normal size right lot is is very interesting. So using I guess was it random wire or it's 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 not random wire right? It's tuned up. I so. have I have I have some random wires out and but uh-huh. they're tuned through a tuning circuit. That I have coming through a time wave noise canceling circuit that okay. goes. Uh, through a balancing uh, switch, I switch into the SDR finally for when I want to let lower noise or more gain on something, depending on the profile. And if I'm getting a sky wave that's coming dropping straight down, I might, uh, I might, I might go to the sky to my mag loop, you know, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. uh, get some of that out of the way because I do get a lot of sky wave here with local AM. Okay, uh, some stuff I just can't null out because it's just too noisy. Right. And can you break down just for anybody who's listening that doesn't understand the difference between ground wave or sky wave? Can you, can you break through the that? Sky wave is when you have a, you know, RF that comes, that, that leaves a transmission site, goes up and comes right back down. It's like you can't, it's hard to aim away from it, you know, with mag loops that have that, that move on a vertical base. And so, and it's difficult for long wires to, to deal with because of course it's coming straight down and you long wires work off the ends. <laughs> and and it becomes a real pain sometimes with some stations I get out here. You know, you can't really complain about them because I have a love hate relationship with a lot of broadcasters out here. Okay. And sometimes you're running the guy. Well, because of the fact, you know, a lot of them are noisy and you, you know, you can tell sometimes the engineer might not have everything tuned up hundred percent. Right. You can tell they might be okay. just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can tell, look for a center carry on some of these guys. They might be just off by a few Hertz. And, um, you go from there. You know, if that's if that's screwy, then you know there's going to be a ballast off somewhere, and that's going to cause all this crazy noise that's that's uh, causing my my fans, my two fans that are in my window to modulate with RF. I mean, I have to I have to spin my uh, mag loop away from my fans because they modulate the local radio station. Yeah, I mean, I've seen those uh, those videos too. The guys take the grass and they touch it to the tower, and and and, it, and you know the grass starts to to uh, make noise as well. Yeah, interesting stuff when it comes to AM. So I, I guess you do a lot of that DXing as well, right? You you, you hunt that out as, and see what you can pick out foreign or distant. Yes, uh, yeah. When I, AM when, stations. I, when I at the end of the night when I reach the end guy of the of the HF, when it means I which means I haven't really picked up anything really cool, I'll flick over to to the medium wave and I'll and I'll see what's happening. I've gotten stations as far as Cuba, but that's rare for me. Rare. Okay. From where I'm at, I got I got uh, I got a Cuban station on medium wave once and. I haven't gotten in the UK, which is kind of surprising. I get a lot of Canada, Toronto, and uh, and thereabouts. But um, uh, I've uh, meeting maybe X is pretty fun. Have you uh, checked out uh, Lloyd Van Horn's uh, YouTube channel at all? It's a DX. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's a good yes. guy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's into together. a lot of that stuff. Yeah, he tips uh, he tips everybody off on Twitter on when the next DX tests are. I like to participate in those. Nice. It ends up being a very small community, right? When when you find yeah. out the same people who are into it with you, so that, that's good that you you guys are able to uh, to pair up on that. And, and those are fun, and, yeah, yeah, yep. So let's talk about basic equipment. Say somebody wants to get involved with this, what would you recommend? I mean, assume they don't have any equipment. Like, how would they get started doing what it is that you do on a very let's say a very basic entry level uh, setup? I would send them to the uh, one of those uh, online uh, SDR websites and then get okay. familiar with some of the audio and then poking around and how to manipulate the graphic interface there because it's not going to be much different than the SDR stuff that you're going to be having at home anyway. You know, get used so, to waterfalls and and and, and, mm-hmm. and and little viewports and and picking different 
uh, you know, modes and things like that, different bandwidths. I mean, it's online stuff is going to be the same as what you're going to get in your, in your, uh, SDR software anyway. So I, I recommend someone to start there. So you basically go to web receivers or just yes. get like SDR sharp and just start looking at some of the global receivers they have in the, uh, SDR sharp software. Sure. Yes. And, uh, and SDR console as well. It's got a, mm-hmm. a bunch of console V3 console servers up. So there's a, the, the sky's the limit there. And when, when, uh, when, when Russia first invaded Ukraine, I normally don't use other, I have this uh, code that I have that I okay. don't like to use other people's radios. It's just kind of like one of those things. If I can't receive it, then I'll just let somebody else worry about it. <laughs> or I'll try to build some way or, you know, figure out some way to build an antenna or receive it. But, you know, that's just too far. I was getting nothing. So I decided to, you know, bite the bullet and then, and kind of throw the code to the wayside and, and log into some receivers in Ukraine or, or, you know, whatever I could in that area, you know, to, to kind of catch some of the first hand action. And it was the very interesting. So, you know, I, I had to eat some of my own dog food there for a while. Yeah. But you know what? You, you used it for like your own scratch your itch, right? You weren't using it and parking yourself on there and yeah, tying right. up every I night would, of the week either, right? Right. I mean, yeah. 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 And that's what it's there for. I mean, it's a resource for people to come in and use somebody else's radio. I mean, they're inviting you in basically to, to, to use their equipment. So yeah, I know you like to, you like to keep it there for somebody else to use, but it is, I mean, what you're using to, to do a little bit of investigation, see what's out there. I mean, I'd give you a pass. I think, I think you're probably <laughs> right. fine doing that. So that's good. So it's kind of like you don't need to invest in it. You can basically, you can get. SDR console for free. I mean, I love that piece of software. I think it's great. It's and a low barrier to entry. As long as you can run it, you're good. You're going. Yep. You're up and off to the races. You don't even need the, a radio per se. You know, eventually yeah. you're probably, the whole goal is to eventually get one, I guess. But I mean, even if you're encumbered by not having one, sh- that's a great way to get started. I mean, it exactly. is the, that is the way to get started. And then you get exactly. a little hardware and it's off to the races. I mean, really, that's a, a no brainer. Right. So let's take it to the next level. Then let's, let's get some hardware, right? What would you recommend as a, and again, I think we're looking at like DC to daylight. It's so such a huge thing. Cause I, there's some things I want to go back to that I've, I've started here, but just in general, general reception of, I guess, just something to listen to. What would you recommend as basic hardware to invest in and an antenna and then the, uh, the user interface? Oh, uh, well, let's see. Um, I would want to hear medium wave to satellite in as least amount of equipment as possible. So that would be one radio if possible, one antenna, which is impossible. Right. <laughs> but so you, 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 there are uh, units where you can have, or where you have multiple radios, like for example, the RSP duo, which I use, and there are different units that have different radios in them and that you can gang them up or split them up and have them sit on different bands. So that's one approach and you each have different antenna inputs and you can, have your own switching bay if you'd like. I have a switching bay here where I switch in and out different antennas and, and spin mag loops around. I have a, a stationary mag loop that I built on the side of a wall in my lab that nulls out an AM station. It's a broadside. And that was kind of a genius idea that I had and worked out quite well. I mean, actually, it's, it functions as kind of a piece of art. It's, nice. a, it's, a bla- it's black wire that it's in a big loop that's like 10 by eight by 10 that loops around multiple times. And it, I designed that to null out an AM station. It's just sitting on, it's a, it's like on a wall. Very, and so, so, it's, so it's, it's hidden in plain sight. Basically you could say it yeah. was, it's a piece. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. You know, you tap into it with a, with a piece of wire and you know, you've, you've created a, you've created a, 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 a filter, you know, in a way. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, this sort of a weird thinking that you have when you kind of may, might be uh, limited to space as well. You know, experimenting with loops. There's lots of loop stuff out there that you can get. There That's that you can design. You can make on your own. There's instructions out there. You can make these on your own. You could buy them really, really cheaply and expensively, and and stick them up and have amazing results. And and just and the the the, the mechanics of a mag loop are pretty amazing too. I mean, they have they have automatic noise uh, nulling capabilities and directional. They're very directional and almost razor thin. If you if you uh, you know if you if you're lucky enough to get one that's engineered correctly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, mag loops are the way to go. If you, if you're constrained by space and, and you want to even try something, you know, add another, uh, weapon to your arsenal, even to integrate that with a, a set of long wires and blend all your signals together. Use right. one as a noise source and, and, uh, use a noise blank or noise canceller. That's what I do. I have a huge 
array of uh, noise antennas, noise references, and I have a noise canceller that I use to tune the noise out, you know, with the incoming uh, uh, RF. So it, uh, we have a different. Uh, so it, electronically, it cancels the noise when the, when, the, when the recombination happens after the uh, after the diodes. Nice little trick of electronics. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's when you know what you're doing, you could be very dangerous, right? Well, not dangerous, but you know, it's it, it's when, when you when you when everything clicks, right? It, you yes. really, when you really understand it, it's amazing what you can do with uh, you know very very primitive and simple technology. Basically, when it comes down to it, right? Because it's just it's an it's a wire. And there's so much, there's so much to it. And, and, and all the knowledge is all out there already. I mean, the hams have already made this out, made it out there for us, put it out there for us. And it's already out there. There's nothing really new except, you know, we're talking about storage now. Battery is going to be really great here pretty soon. But I mean, we've uh, miniaturized antennas a lot. Mm -hmm. And now we need to work on uh, eliminating noise. Yeah, well, the, the noise is just going to keep continuing, continuing with the more electronic devices we have out there. Yeah, that so, may that may turn into a political thing. You know, that's a whole another mm-hmm. rant for maybe a whole another day that I'm not even prepared to talk about. But yeah, no you know, problems. And politically, I mean, there's a whole thing you can do to, you know, to lobby the underwriters' laboratory and and all yep. all the politicians that deal with that crap and allowing crappy components come to come from other countries that aren't tested and leak this crappy RF. Oh, it just makes me nuts. I, I've I've ex- expended so much money into eliminating RF. Oh, and it's in it's everywhere. Sure, it's in your yeah. compact fluorescent light fixtures. It's in it's in the the cheap wall warts. It's broadband over power lines. It's it's even in your car with the alternator and everything else. I mean, there's just there's just noise everywhere. So it's something that we've got to kind of learn to live with and deal with. But at the same time, too, you're right. You know, the more stuff they bring in and and with less amount of filtering and you know the Having it designed cheaply and efficiently versus have the giant heavy heavy power supplies because the phones come with the with the smaller ones and they're cheaper to manufacture. You're right; they're it's a trade off. And, and I've, noticed can't noise, see, I've noticed the noise floor in my neighborhood has gone up about 10 dB in the past couple of years. So I mean, in general, there's just noise mm-hmm. everywhere. You're right; you can't right. get away and, from it. And it's even in in the electrical system too, right? Like I said, BPL, yeah. right? Broadband over power lines. But even in the transformers, when you get a bad uh, a bad ground to nose, forget it. It could completely wipe out a HF for you. Luckily, many department or or utilities have or should have at least a guy who's on on the payroll that understands that they've got to fix the grounding issue and 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 uh, keep their emissions down. But um, just Going out there and finding it, it's not their job to find it per se. It's more or less they get tipped off by other people who they're inconveniencing. And uh, we're the ones that tip them off and say, hey, this pole has got something coming from it is really what it comes down to. And I know guys that do that. And, yeah, there are guys uh, that go out through that, yeah. Yep, and they've got a lot of great success. And uh, and even that, I mean, as simple as walking around with uh, – I had a, a coworker of mine who was borrowing my was it my ICOM was it ICR ten or something like that, and he would just walk around the neighborhood with it, and eventually he started building his own. It was some sort of receiver that he built, and and it was able to with an antenna. He was able to just you know like RDF it basically. He had a directional antenna and something that he was putting together that allowed him to do that with a, in a like a, like a miniature box. And uh, that's what he continues to do with it. But, uh, you know, the guy's big into contesting and, and doing like 40 meters, 80 meter, meters CW. And when the noise floor gets high, he's not happy because he can't <laughs> make his DX contest. Right, so, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we got one radio. And again, you said you said a, a, um, a RPDX, right? I know he's an RSP duo. It's RSP, got two radios duo, in the okay. thing. You can split it up and have it do, uh, you can put mm-hmm. it in different modes and have it monitor like ADSB or you can split out another radio even yep. if you wanted. I, or use it in diversity mode to have play one radio off the other and it picks the best, you know, combines and picks the best, uh, I mean, IQ and, and gives you the best right. signal after you. And, you and again, those are, um, those are a bit pricier, but again, you're not, it's, it's a different receiver than you get off of like one of those thumb drives or the little USB sticks, right? There's, yes. Now there's those, more those internal to start to with. Yeah. Those oh, yeah. are great to start with. And you can get some, you can get some real crummy ones that are, you know, that are ripoffs and not, not the real ones, but um, those are great too to have around. But the problem with those is uh, I'll have those for like a week until they, you know, I'll drop them and step on them. 
or <laughs> pop them out of the slot or they'll blow up because right. I, you know, too much, uh, too much gain. I mean, just work on, on, on gains, all into gains. <laughs> so, gotcha. you know, those are great things to have though, but I've, I've blown those up left and right and uh, God bless them for what they've done. But you know, they are great little units too. And those are great little uh, units to go. And my, my progression into SDRs was uh, uh, half a dozen of those uh, thumbsticks. And I picked mm-hmm. up the SDR IQ from uh, Peter Eiblings out there. He makes an SDR. He, he makes antennas now. Okay. But anyway, he, he, and so my, that was my graduation. I, I started with the thumbsticks. I picked up an SDR IQ for a couple hundred bucks and I went into an S, an STR for like over a grand. And I really never looked back. You know, I, I picked up these little bitty, uh, you know, about the size of a cigarette packs or so, like the RSP Duo and the, mm-hmm. the RSP 1A and, and these type of things, which is real nice. The 1A is real nice. So I use that for, uh, HF and, and medium wave mostly. And the Duo I use for, uh, for above, uh, HF. Like for my, uh, for the military, for mill air stuff and local stuff like that and, and satellite. Excellent. So it's not just, you know, like we were talking about, it's not just HF stuff. It's not just, you know, medium wave, long wave and all that stuff that you, that you're finding, right? But, uh, there are some interesting things, interesting things you found on there. So let's talk about some of the, the unpublished or the, you know, the oddball stations that you've been picking up and then we'll work our way up the dial. Let's, let's go that way with it. Let's start with the low bands and we'll make our way up to the satellite. Cause again, I've, I've got that circled here because I want to make sure we, we talk about that one. So, um, let's start low. What, what is it? What are some of the things that you've picked up that, um, surprised you or something anomalously, something yeah. anomalously low. Let me think about that for a moment. I'd say, um, I've heard, uh, pirates down as low as, uh, uh, you know, 1640, 1650, 1700, 1710. And then pirates are basically just unlicensed. Unlicensed right, broadcasters. Yeah. Yes. And how do you know they're pirates? They basically say, you know, are I'm a you, pirate. You, you, or... you have a, you know, you, you, there's a station there that might you not have heard before. You, you, uh-huh. you hit Google and see who's broadcasting on 1710 right now. Right. And you would uh, spin the antenna, maybe get a rough direction of it, and maybe check someone else's radio, maybe see, ask somebody else if they have something, or you can pretty much deduct it. If you if you get a station ID and it's a legitimate station, well, then they might be, if it's from somewhere else, you wait mm-hmm. for a station ID, usually on the hour or 30 minutes after the hour, wait for a some kind of station ID or local commercial. That's a tip-off. Right, right, right. Or any kind of commercial. I mean, you know, pirates not going to really put a commercial on there. That's that defeats the purpose of being a pirate, right? I mean, conceptually, right? And Unless they're going to rebroadcast the station, there are some pirates that will just rebroadcast other stations. You know, maybe test their own equipment or as a as like a, a tribute. Okay. And again, a lot of these pirates are just basically transmitting basically either homes or some location with just a... Yeah, now there's you know, one guy, there's one guy, Yahweh Radio, the, he was rumored to have put a, a remote transmitter somewhere, and it would, uh, this is a number of years ago, the story had it, that um, he would tape the, the, the microphone, and the loop, the recording would just continue to loop and loop and loop until the battery ran out. Hmm. And he did that at a remote location. When this guy is usually on 7475 Yahweh radio, I have yet to hear him, but he's legendary. That's one of those catches I haven't heard. I'm going to, it's just a matter of time. Gotcha. Interesting. So it's, it's basically, you know, somebody else's hobby, basically it's a legal hobby, right? But they're out there yeah. and, and, and they are broadcasting, but there's a big following too. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people go out there and they want to catch the, not catch the pirates, log the pirates and listen to them and, and they do have a following. I mean, it's, 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 it's a really like interesting part of listening to that part of the radio spectrum. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm a huge fan. You know, there's, there's, there's broadcasters I'm a fan of, uh, you know, I'm, you know, you get to be on a first name basis with some of these guys after a time, they'll call you out on the show. You leave, you know, reception reports for them and they send reception reports back or you, they'll, you'll talk to them in a, in a chat room somewhere online or, you know, talk to them via email or sometimes like a DJ Dick, we gave his phone number last week, you know, so you can, you know, there's different ways these guys are reaching out. You know, the, the medium mm-hmm. is, is, is changing rapidly before us. Excellent. All right. We're going to take a quick pause from the conversation right now and stop for a quick break. Now, again, anybody who is a Patreon supporter at the $3 or higher level, 
doesn't get this break, and we'll continue right on with this conversation. For everybody else, we'll catch you in just one second. Would you like to avoid hearing this break in the podcast? Well, some of our Patreon supporters get to do exactly that. Think of Patreon as the PBS model of helping out Scanner School. For a monthly or yearly pledge, not only do you get to help support the podcast, but depending on your support tier, you can receive certain benefits. Our most popular benefit tier is our extra credit, or $5 a month tier. This allows you to sponsor us monthly or annually at a discount. And extra credit members not only receive an early release of a commercial-free podcast, again, this break is not in that podcast episode, but they also have access to early releases of YouTube videos, additional benefits such as squelchy sticker packs, discounts on our tutoring services, courses, and more. But if that wasn't enough, we have a great exclusive community set up just for our extra credit members, and it's great to catch up with them during our monthly member meetups. And these monthly meetups are also available for replay for anybody who is unable to attend that particular meetup. Members also have access to a private channel on our Discord server so they can also communicate with each other between our monthly membership meetup. You could become a Patreon supporter right now by going to scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, and MURS, and 2A radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as backup issues too. To download your free sample issue or subscribe, visit natcommag.com. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com slash support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. All right. So what else are you hunting out if we go more up the dial? Right now I'm looking at, I have been listening to... Russians in the Baltic testing out radar. It, that's been very fun. I hear the radar mostly now, but last week propagation was great. I heard them, uh, I heard voice and I heard full duplex communications, and that was just a blast replaying that. But uh, that's my that's my latest thing. And that's not necessarily piratey, but it is kind of anomalous in the fact that it's in the middle of a of a band that's used for aircraft that communicate to air traffic controllers as they cross the Atlantic Ocean. Hmm. 
So they're, they're not interfering with anything, but it's like very close to them. So anybody looking at, at an SDR would visually see, you know, the, the smears on the waterfall from these, from these Russians as they're talking on their boats, as they're testing the different uh, radar suites. And you don't speak, presumably, right? And and you don't speak Russian, right? So how would you know that that's who you were listening to? Well, I mean, I've been doing this long enough to you know know the difference between different languages. I mean, I know Russian sounding language, right? But how do you how do you Spanish? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. How do you how do you know that that's what they were doing? Is kind of like my question. Like, how do you know they would set up the radar? I mean, I mean, how would you come to that conclusion? Yeah, that's that's a very. Uh, I don't want to go Alex oh, Alex Jones on here with that one. I mean, presumably right. that's you know. I mean that. The conversation, there was a, there was talking and talking, and then they might have even been, uh, they might have been even testing out jamming equipment because there okay. were there would be communications and then loud, loud, brat, brat, brat noises that would go on with different, different kind of frequencies throughout the night. Okay. Actually, this happened for you know several weeks. I'd record this every night and then, and then review the recordings before I went to work in the morning. All right. So I, I was kind of like, you know, wondering if it sounded the same as other over the horizon radars that you've heard yes. before. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. So, yeah. So that's, that's how you kind of figure out that that's who it was between the, the same sound as something you already knew, plus Russian sounds like. So, yeah. So, that's yeah, a, so minor, that sense. that's yeah. a bit of a minor study as well as a uh, radar, different kind different types of radar. So, um, okay. while it did kind of sound like jamming as well, you know, the characteristics of radar are similar to, to jamming anyway. So, I mean, um, it's not a stretch. Gotcha. No, just from just, you know, I'm just asking for somebody that's tuning around the dial and they go, what am I listening to? You know, right, it's, yeah. I mean, how do they, how does somebody who's never listened to before know this is something interesting to be listening to and they should make note of like, this was something that I'm never going to hear again versus something I can hear every night of the week. So, but again, you have to know the landscape, I guess, to, to kind of see that as well. Yeah, yeah, hanging out long enough and, and baselining the the environment enough to know that that is definitely not an, a usual thing to hear right here in this very spot. Because, like, like I say, I I got a big big scope open every night and I just like obsessively view it. And um, when a little blip pops up on the screen, mm-hmm. I hit you know I hit I hit the record and I see what this thing is and I try to reverse it as much as I can to find out what's happening. And that's the beauty too about SDR, right? Is you can record a whole lot of data in, in with one button push. I mean, you can re- everything you receive basically, you can you can go in and, and then replay the recording and tune it like it's a DVR and tune around the spectrum that you were receiving. So, and um, unfortunately, we're not at the exact point yet where you can replay it immediately. That's next gen, and we are okay. going to have that, but it's not going to happen right away. That. <laughs> I mean, I would like to be able to replay the last two minutes of something like right now, you know, just flip over to another, uh, another band and, and, and replay the last two minutes of whatever transpired. That'd be great. That doesn't exist right now, but it will. Okay. So, I mean, uh, these are these, it will happen, you know, we, but now we can record in it, but there's a, a slight, uh, you know, the slight, uh, abstraction of having to actually go and now retrieve this recording and then, put it through the right. software and replay it and find where you want to scrub to. So, I mean, there, you know, there is a slight complication, but you know, soon I believe this, this, this will go away. We'll be able to just scroll right back with a mouse instead of having to, you know, go back into like the file system and, and, and replay something by clicking it. You'll be able to just scroll. Yeah, that, that's your, what I was getting wheel. to that. Right. When I said DVR, that's what I meant. Not right, so yeah. much hit rewind like a TiVo and, and recatch the last 30 seconds. But yeah, that would be, I'm sure that would just destroy a hard drive, though. Just re- constantly recording all that data oh, yeah. and re-recording it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm used to that. Sure. I, I go, I go through about, a, I go through a laptop a year. I, I get, wow. I try to get some medium uh, to intermediate range stuff, and but I run it all the time, and it just mm-hmm. USB buses are just completely just saturated as much as they can be saturated. So you yeah, you know when you say you're doing it on a professional level you you're not, you're not yeah I mean uh, I, I'm not kidding in other words I haven't updated uh you know the 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 paradigm in a while I really need to get racks I had racks but I moved uh-huh. from San Diego to here and and that and that idea kind of changed that's what always we'll happens we'll yeah it's part of the hobby though right I mean it gives you something to do to to improve or test around with or everything else right it's it's yeah, just natural progression of of what it is that uh, 
that the hobby can, can do. So, all right. So let's continue our way up the dial. So we've got, you know, we've got pirates, we've got Russians. What else do we have out there? Oh, well, here's a, here's a fun little one. I was working from home. And so, I mean, I had, how many radios do you think I had on that day? <laughs> every, every single one of them. <laughs> I mean, I was out of control and everything I had recorded, I put up on the internet archive. So if anybody wanted to go look that up, it'd be McRadio face on internet archive. And I put everything I had from January 6th up on the archive. There is one interesting recording that I have. And since you mentioned interesting things, I had, you know, I had heard rumors that, you know, that, the, that these crazy, you know, white insurrectionists were going to come up the highway in a caravan with all their guns and their radios and coordinate all our stupid uh, movements on their ham radios. So what I did is I camped out, you know, on two meters for a week before, you know, and I, and I had completely baselined the entire, in the entire two meter spectrum with like thousands of any kind, anytime there was a blip, I would make a mark of it and make a note of it. And just in case, you know, to keep an eye on it in the future, they're calling for this thing. Something's supposed to happen on the sixth. And I said, well, you know, my backyard is, is a radio backyard, man. And I didn't hear any of that, but I heard, um, you know, I heard some people coordinating, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, getting gas, you know, hopping off the freeway and getting gas. But that was about mm-hmm. it. And, so nothing um, exciting. With, with, with it, nothing that. exciting at all, but, um, right. it was still tremendous fun to do. Mm-hmm. Tremendous fun to do. And I heard, uh, when they were taking, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can tell this story. I probably shouldn't tell the story. I've heard, okay. uh, I've heard, very, very um, informal communications in in a time of crisis when people might let their guard down for a moment, and you hear, you know, like a a very human a human kind of uh, a human kind of thing, and it, sometimes you kind of get taken aback. Like, and during the BLM riots, I didn't upload any of that to Internet Archive, but boy, oh boy, I heard um, when the HRT helicopter guys were out there the fbi when they were um when they were rotor washing everybody out in the streets i had adsb up and i was watching all that happen i was watching drones before anybody else had reported i had i had noticed on my adsb that there were two uh, mq4 drones in the sky very Uh, during the during the blm riots and also on january 6th so somebody was still in charge on january 6th running drones in the sky right and I don't know who's doing it in, during the BLM stuff out here, but I saw it, and then everybody else kind of picked it up. It's, it's now, amazing. You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that you see. You know, that's that's right. the stuff I see. I don't know if that's anomalous or not, but boy, oh boy, it sure is interesting. But it still is interesting. Exactly right. And it's it's not again, it's not something that you find in a database that says, "Hey, go tune here and look for this." I mean, ADSB, yes, right. you know what frequency to be on. But again, a lot of that stuff is, I mean, you're not going to find it on some websites because they filter out a lot of that kind of data. Yeah. And um, that's, and that's another one of my beefs with all that stuff. They don't have to do that. And there's going to come a time where people maybe not like myself. I mean, I built it, you know, I'll give it out, you know, at will when I want to, but man, sharing it just gets you in trouble. So, I mean, there's right. going to be a cadre of people who do eventually share this stuff apart from these these third-party websites making money on off our backs. Mm. Literally, that's what they're doing. I think. Right. You know, you, right. people contribute their contribute their ADSB logs to these, and they're filtering that crap out, and they're still making money off your back, and we're not getting the full picture. Um, uh, give me that full picture, man. Don't hold back. That's what right. I want. Right. That's exactly. one of the reasons why I do radio. Before Montgomery County went uh, encrypted, this is right about the time they they went to full encryption. They were testing encryption on their trunking systems. And uh, Montgomery County Police went full encryption. So at the time of that switchover, things were getting hot and heavy. And I had recordings of, uh, you know, dudes in the back of squad cars, you know, cussing out cops. And it was the most amazingly funny stuff, too, because, you know, there's a lot a lot of folks were emboldened by being protected by, you know, the media and a certain ruling class that was allowing this to happen. And there mm-hmm. it, it was whole they were wholesale getting away with it. And I couldn't believe it. And I was hearing it on the radio firsthand. It's, one of the most exciting things I ever heard in my life. Right. Raw, raw and unfiltered. Uh, raw and unfiltered. And you're not going to get yeah. that. You, know, you won't get right. that anywhere else. Man, you have to get a radio and listen to it for yourself. Exactly. All right. So let's keep moving up the dial before uh, we run out of time because we're getting close to an hour, actually, believe it or not. Um, and I, and I want to keep going up the dial. So we're sitting around VHF, UHF right now, I guess around with the trunk systems around 700, 800, depending on 
on what frequencies you guys run on. So let's continue up from here. I want to make sure again we talk about satellites because this is, is really interesting as well. Let's let's talk about receiving and what you've heard or what you do when you receive satellites and the setup for that. Because again, the antenna you're using for for satellite reception isn't the same as you're using for for long wave and medium wave. I mean, completely no, different. No, it's definitely not. Game. The, wa- the yeah. wave sizes are different, so they require a different kind of technology to to absorb. And this requires mm-hmm. a s- smaller antenna with a different kind of gain signature around it to allow it to, uh, to resonate at these at these higher frequencies. So, you know, I've got these Black Knight antennas outside, and i got a homebrew uh, Yagi that I used uh, to to point at different satellites as, as, as the need arises. And and typically, uh, I, I will listen to Brazilian pirates using satellites um, going back from trunking up to 700 back down to like 200 or so. Listen to like a fleet satcom, listening to Brazilians, you know, talking about their about their exploits on open transponders. Uh, and it's amazing they're satellites. still there, right? They're on what two? I, f- I forget what they were. Two hundred and what was it? Two fifty, two forty, like two fifty-two, right? Something like that. Yeah, was yeah, it? yeah. Uh-huh. And it's amazing because you don't even need you just go outside with your with your radio and a whip antenna and yeah. that's all you need. Yeah. Yep. And, and but yeah, these guys pretty I mean, amazing they're stuff. well known for they, that. Yeah. All yeah. day long. All day long. Yeah. And, yeah, and I yep. listen to this, you know, probably the same guys in their fishing boats on HF. Right. You know, same guys, you know, different gear. Pretty amazing. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So do you uh if you keep going through satellite stuff too, do you so about like 1.2 gig, you know, the satellite system that's up in that neck of the woods, or do you, do you I mean, do you venture that high with the, with this stuff? I've gone as far as in Marsat. That was a long time ago. I had a dish yeah. that I had before I moved to, uh, move to this area. And that's no longer nothing anomalous up there really other than maybe some, you know, some, some video stuff that was interesting to uh, reverse, but that was a very long time ago. And okay, not a whole lot of, you know, stuff up there right now at this time, but I mean, there really isn't a whole lot of anomalous things up there other than uh, there's a lot of radar up there. Um, well, radar sweeps in this area because of this area, you know, I'm near Andrews and in the white house and all that crap. Right. So right. they have, I, they I have all kinds of air stuff happening. Exactly. I know there's like the J arrow and some other maritime GPS coordinates being passed along though. Was it, uh, I forget the name of the side system now in Marsat or, or, um, Iridium. Yes, iridium, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's it's pretty much a known frequency, and you just kind of tune around in in that spot, and and you'll be able to pick up what you, what it is you want to pick up. So again, it's it's a well published type of system. But yeah, there's a lot to it, and there's a lot there's a lot of voice up there too. And um, mm-hmm. the the gear is uh, it's not incredibly hard to to cobble together, but you know it is it is at that frequency. It's you know it's it's precision stuff. You got to be more or less precise with certain things up there. So, yep. But again, it's it's still equipment you can buy off of Amazon. I mean, the oh yeah, uh, for sure, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these antennas are so small; they 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 ship them in like in a four by four box almost. <laughs> yeah, so, and it's that's inches, not feet. So it's yeah. and they suction cup to your window. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the only thing you need to do is uh, I think you need to run power to it to to power up with the the preamps in there. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's. It's pretty much point at the sky and 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 tune around, and you'll start picking up something, or at least seeing something on the waterfall. So there's there's definitely stuff to pick up. So I know we did a lot of talking about about SDRs, and that's primarily, I guess, what you're using. Is there any other? Um, and we said you said you had a 436, and, and I got, stuff, yeah, the, 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 I'm sorry, the 536. I got the Bearcat unit in 536, mm-hmm. which which blew me away in terms of how they revamped the entire the infrastructure of how to do interesting scanning. right <laughs> yeah because you know for how many decades since day one we were going from uh you know zero to whatever number we wanted and not having this flexibility of having databases man and and uh you know Upman was just a genius you know may he rest in peace that's that's a result i believe of like the community i don't want to say outrage but the community feedback on what happened with the home patrol, right? Everybody's like, yeah. well, you got the home patrol and, and it's, it's a, it's a good idea, but we want our scanners on top of it. Like we want a, a 996 with the home patrol. And then that gave birth to the 536. Yeah. In my mind. So it's, it's really cool the way they were able to, to take something that we were familiar with as far as keys and, and buttons, but keep that whole home patrol 
back end on it, which is which is nice because again, if you're traveling or you know if if if, if uh, you know grandma gets a new scanner to listen to local police department and all she wants to do is put her zip code in, that satisfies that itch. But for those of us that want more out of the home patrol, right? That F five thirty six was what uh, was a nice upgrade to get. So. Oh yeah, when I was in my twenties, I used to I used to rock a Pro two thousand four from Radio Shack. And, <laughs> yeah, one um, right here on my shelf. And my girlfriend lived at the time, and uh, her home base was in uh, the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. And we used to drive up there every weekend. I'd take my scanner and I have to reprogram it every weekend to listen to their police. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you go through so, you know <laughs> one enter, now. two enter, right? So yeah, and beep 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 beep. So I mean, I got a hole worn off in the in the uh, you know that little that little keyboard, right? enter button yeah <laughs> it's worn off but i mean it's still it's still a very popular scanner though i mean it's it's still a i mean and and bill cheek did a good job selling that one though too i mean he, he's that's another my guy, guy. yeah when, uh, I when, talking when, when to I you. scanners that's yeah. right man he's he's my guy right there we when he first got on the internet i had i said i knew of him and i i emailed him immediately and we we were bosom buddies practically uh you know i was showing the internet and we mm-hmm. talked about radio. So he, he gave me my first, you know, real tips and how to do, how to deal with this, uh, this, this radio shack stuff. And I got, I got right. all the bill cheek. I got all the bill cheek mods. Nice. Another very guy nice. who can rest in peace, man. This guy, there was very, very few people in the handful, a handful of people in the annals of RF history that have changed things the way these guys have, you know, and yep. So excellent. Well, anything else you want to bring up this evening or today as we, uh, we talk through just, searching around the bands and, and, and finding weird stuff to listen to. No, I'd say, you know, thanks for your time and thanks for what you're doing, getting the word out there. I mean, diversify and get, get the word out on the web, but this is radio is a real fun thing to do. Radios are everywhere. We've got a million of them in our cell phones, our computers communicate mm-hmm. with radios over Wi-Fi. I mean, they're just everywhere. Might as well use them and, and see what they're all about. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun to be had and you can do tremendous. And it's all about, gaining knowledge about what's happening around you. When I listen to radios, man, I feel like I feel free as a bird. I mean, I just, I feel like there's nothing that, that I can't learn or nothing that I can't right. figure out or get an insight into using a radio. Anyway, so yeah, thank you very much. So props to you and, and all the homebrew guys out there and all the HF guys out there for making that stuff happen. It's just, I, I it's my thing. Excellent. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to, uh, if they have any questions about what you do or they want to, they want to just pick your brain a little bit more. What's, what's the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? I'm at McRadio face on Twitter or, uh, let's see, McRadio face at gmail.com. Excellent. All right. So we'll, we'll put those in the session notes as well. So again, Mr. Anonymous, Mr. McRadio face, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Again, this podcast is your idea. So I want to thank you for reaching out to me over uh, Twitter and then uh, booking this, uh, this session right now to uh, record this podcast episode. So again, thank you very much for, uh, for stepping up and being a guest in the podcast today. All right. Thank you for your time, Phil. Thank you, Mr. Mick Radioface, for reaching out to me via Twitter and having this conversation with us for the podcast. It was extremely interesting to hear how you've set up your receivers and your antennas so that you could pick up everything, everything that is going on around you. So obviously, a lot of what you're listening to and a lot of your success has to do with your proximity to Washington, D.C., but we've heard from other podcast guests that any city or town can have this kind of excitement and radio traffic because all it takes is one event and your town can be front page news or national headlines for a day, a week, or even a month. So the takeaway here is to be prepared. Understand the RF landscape around you. Understand who you'll typically hear on the radio. Understand what talk groups you may typically see or hear or maybe not hear on a trunk radio system. Understand the federal layout. Understand, right, what happens through ADSB and maybe even roll your own virtual radar so you can see what's coming in unfiltered, right? These are all being prepared and knowing what is around you. So get on it. Throw your radio into search. Grab a software to find radios and physically see the spectrum 
that is around you. If you want to learn more about Software Defined Radios, I have a free course that you can take that will get you started in just a weekend over at courses.scannerschool.com. So again, if you want to reach out to Radio Make Radio Face, you can find him over on Twitter with the handle of at McRadioFace. And as a reminder, I'm always looking for podcast guests because, again, these conversations are exciting. I love them. I'm sure you enjoy listening to somebody else on the podcast besides myself from time to time. And I'm sure you have a story that you may want to share with us. So if you go to scannerschool.com slash guest, you can fill out the calendar. We'll email you a Zoom meeting link. And the rest is, as you could say, history, I guess, right? <laughs> so with that, as a reminder, I'm looking for more questions for our upcoming Ask Scanner School podcast release, which happens on the first Tuesday of every month. You can go right now and pick up your phone and dial 516-308-2885 or by going to scannerschool.com slash ask and use either the SpeakPipe link or the standard text-based email entry form that is right there. And let me know what you think about this podcast episode. You can go over to our Discord server and be a part of the conversation with your fellow scanner nerds. That's the community. The Scanners. Go to scannerschool.com slash discord to get your personal invitation to our Scanners community. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Altrack, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Rops, Bob Milton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Dombrowski, Dave Pascoe, David C., Danny Crotty, Dylan Heider, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, I Hate Junk Mail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeo, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe P., John Cordoff, John Sheldon, John Keel, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Leslie. Stevenson, Lloyd R., Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Randy Lee Wright, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmieri, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Terry Wright, Tim Mazet, TJ, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.